You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotroncom agony. Maureen Corrigan's new book is So We Read On, How the Great Gatsby Came to Be and Why It Endures. Would you read to us from your book, Maureen? Happily. <laughs> Thank you. In the decades I've been teaching my New York Stories course, I've come to recognize a pattern that I, as a lover of the city, don't like very much. The pattern is this. Dreamers often come to bad ends in New York stories. The city attracts those who aspire to something greater, something different. Oftentimes, it destroys them. Against the current types, like Melville's Bartleby, who prefers not to, Wharton's Lily Bart, Johnny Nolan, the starry-eyed dad in A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, the unnamed narrator of Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, and idealistic Holden Caulfield are just a few of the fictional characters who've been chewed up and spit out by New York. Fitzgerald wisely escaped before the rejection slips on the walls of that crummy apartment squeezed out all light and air. Gatsby wasn't so smart. He's drawn to New York as he's drawn to Daisy, and both attractions are fatal. Maureen, one of the things I like is that you capture how the great Gatsby shows America as a dream and as a reality. Yeah, it it's, you know, it's, it's the, those last pages of Gatsby, as other critics have said, the best seven pages that any writer has ever written about America, you know, it's all about the promise. It's all about the possibility. And yet the reality is that most people aren't going to grasp or even come close to grasping what they're dreaming of in America. Um, I, I think that this novel, The Great Gatsby, is our most American and un-American novel at once because it tells us that the dream is everything and that the dream is worth it, (laughs) worth whatever it costs. And at the same time, it tells us the dream will probably kill us, that we're doomed never to achieve what the dream promises. And in fact, the dream may well be a con. It's so important to remember that Gatsby is dead at the beginning of The Great Gatsby, that Nick is remembering all these events. So what kind of American novel is this? We're all about possibility and second chances and and infinite opportunity. But all of that is foreclosed at the beginning of The Great Gatsby because nothing can be changed that's already happened in this novel. This novel is famous for Nick's voice, but it wasn't always written in Nick's voice. Amazing, right? I, I, the first the first draft of The Great Gatsby is a draft in which we get a third-person narrator narrating the novel. And then Fitzgerald hit on the brilliant idea of having a first-person narrator who's partially involved. So he can't take us everywhere. 
He can't take us into the private conversation that Gatsby and Daisy have when they're finally reunited in Chapter 5, which, by the way, is the dead center of The Great Gatsby, another sign of how insanely over-designed this novel is. Gatsby and Daisy are finally reunited in the dead center of The Great Gatsby. Nick can't be present for that but he can be present as an observer to see other crucial moments in Gatsby. And most importantly, he's, he's the survivor who tells the tale. Writing about the reading experience of Great Gatsby, you yourself create a reading experience for the reader that includes the Great Gatsby. I think that's a very interesting approach to talk about literature. Well, I think that approach, um, it's its born out of, oh gosh, I think I've been on tw- 25 years as book critic of Fresh Air. And one thing that we learned to do in radio is um, t- to tell stories. Radio is a medium in which people want to hear stories. Um, and I tried in this book, as, as I I think I try in my Fresh Air reviews to speak to that great audience of educated non-specialists. I I myself love literary criticism that isn't steeped in theory. I want to to hear what the critic thinks. I want to not just hear about what what the critic um, thinks intellectually, but I also want to know about what he or she feels about the book and where they're coming from with a book that they love. So I kind of, in my small way, try to emulate those great mid-20th century critics like Edmund Wilson, Lionel Trilling, Alfred Kazin, even on to Susan Sontag. You know, critics who wrote not just for the literati, but also who wrote for educated non-specialists, people who were interested in literature but didn't necessarily feel like they wanted to have a decoder ring on (laughs) in order to understand what the critic was talking about. Maureen Corrigan's new book is So We Read On, How the Great Gatsby Came to Be and Why It Endures. Thank you for joining me, Maureen. Oh, thank you. It's It's been so much fun. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report, trashotron.com slash agony.